Welcome back to the Manly Saints Project, by me, Hugh Hunter. We live in a world that struggles to understand the virtues of manliness. Our culture doesn't provide young men, or any men for that matter, with a lot of positive male role models. When I became a Catholic, I wanted to show how the saints could be manly role models for us. My weekly exploration of manly saints became the Manly Saints Project. If you enjoy my work, please consider signing up and supporting me on Substack, or click the links in the show notes to buy me a beer. Now, let's meet this week's Manly Saint. Join me today to meet the priest who created a military order. Name, Raymond of Fitero. Life, died around 1163 A.D. Status, Saint. Feast, February 1st and March 15th. In the closing years of the 12th century, the Christian knights of Calatrava rode out to face the might of the Almohad Caliph, Abu Yusuf Yaqub al-Mansur. They didn't yet know it, but the knights of Calatrava were riding to the most devastating defeat they would ever experience. They were about to lose everything. The battle between Christians and Muslims in Spain had been going on for centuries. Soon after the death of Muhammad, Islamic armies began to emerge from the Middle East. They would destroy the Zoroastrian Persians and threaten almost all of the Christian kingdoms, even those in the heart of Europe. In the early 8th century, an army of Arabs and Berbers crossed over from Africa and conquered much of modern Spain and Portugal. They wanted to push further into France and Germany, but they were stopped by the great general Charles Martel, the Hammer. So, the armies of Islam remained on the Spanish peninsula. Years passed, then decades, then centuries. The Christians of Spain and Portugal did not forget their identities, and did not forget that the land truly belonged to them. And so they engaged in the centuries-long war known as the Reconquista. Slowly, at first, the Muslims were pushed back south, one city at a time. As the 12th century dawned, Toledo was Christian again. By the mid-12th century, the front lines had pushed south of Toledo to the fortress town of Calatrava. Now, as the 12th century came to an end, the armies of Islam were pushing back. The knights of Calatrava weren't alone in facing the Muslim attack. King Alfonso VIII of Castile rode out to lead them at the head of an army. At this time, the Knights of Calatrava used as their symbol a red arrow cross, though later the points of the arrow would curl to form a fleur-de-lis and the letter M for Maria. Beside the red cross banner of Calatrava flew the banners of the other military orders, the green cross of the Order of St. Benedict and the red dagger cross of the Order of St. James. It was the summer of 1195, and the Knights of Calatrava went out to scout the area 
as the army of Al-Mansur approached. That was when things started to go wrong. Al-Mansur captured their reconnaissance party, destroying it and killing many of the brother knights. When the armies met in battle at Alarcos, things got even worse. After initial successes, the Christians found themselves worn out and pushed back. The Christian formations collapsed. King Alfonso fled to Toledo. The Grand Masters of the Order of St. Benedict and the Order of St. James died on the battlefield. The Master of the Knights of Calatrava had survived, but the shame of the disaster had left him a broken man who could not carry on in his position. Al-Mansur ravaged the area, capturing most of the territory that had belonged to the Knights of Calatrava. Al-Mansur even captured their home fortress, Calatrava itself. With their forces crushed, most of their brother knights dead, and the fortress that gave them their name in enemy hands, Al-Mansur probably expected the Knights of Calatrava to wither away. But if he had heard the story of St. Raymond of Fitero, the order's founder, Caliph al-Mansur might not have been so certain. Raymond of Fitero begins to emerge from the mists of history in the middle of the 12th century. We think he was born in France, or maybe in northern Spain, Raymond probably spent most of his life in the church. He became a priest. We catch a glimpse of him in the north of modern Spain, affiliated with a church in Tarazona. At some point in his life, Raymond seems to have felt called to a life of greater discipline. Many religious communities had become lax and corrupt. Raymond went out of his way to join a reforming order, the new Cistercians. The Cistercians were determined to live the lives of monks the way that St. Benedict had intended, even increasing in severity and seriousness. Raymond was content as a Cistercian. As the years passed, he gained a reputation for holiness as a miracle worker. Eventually, he became the abbot of a community of his own. He was living the life of a normal, if saintly, monk. These years in the middle of the 12th century were good years to be in Spain. Yes, much of Spain and Portugal was still occupied by Muslims. But the Muslims were not as scary as they had once been. They had grown soft and comfortable. King Alfonso VII of Castile took advantage of Muslim weakness to raid in the borderlands and capture territory, town by town castle by castle. King Alfonso VII was making progress. But capturing an area wasn't enough. It also had to be defended against constant Muslim raids. Setting up permanent defenses was a challenge for medieval kings. If Alfonso gave the lands to one of his lords, he risked changing the balance of power in his kingdom. But how was he going to find people to defend the land who would not also want to challenge his authority as king. Alfonso found an answer in the brotherhoods of warrior friars who had been emerging in the Holy Land to battle the forces of Islam there. The Knights Templar and the Knights Hospitaller had proved so successful that they already had outposts all over Christendom. 
the Knights Templar agreed to man the forward fortress of Calatrava for the king. The conquests of Alfonso VII were going well, but as his reign came to an end, storm clouds were gathering on the horizon. The Muslim kingdom that included Spain extended to North Africa. But over in North Africa, they were facing a challenge from a militant reform movement, the Almohads. The Almohads were winning, sweeping away their corrupt predecessors and bringing order and discipline back to the kingdom. Soon, they had united the kingdom on the northwest coast of Africa, and they were looking north to Spain. The Christian kingdoms realized that the Almohads posed a serious challenge. From Calatrava, the Templars watched carefully, weighing the odds. And then, in 1157, King Alfonso VII died. The new king did not have his experience. The enemies of Castile sensed weakness. Rumor began to spread that the Almohads were coming north at the head of a huge army aimed at Calatrava. Unfortunately, the Templars also sensed weakness. Templars were willing to fight to the death, but they were strategists first. They concluded that Calatrava could not be defended, and told the new king that they were pulling out. The renewed Muslim threat cast a shadow over the celebrations for the crowning of the new king in Toledo, to which even Abbot Raymond of Fitero had been obliged to come. It was dangerous traveling on the roads in those days, but Raymond had brought along another Cistercian priest who had once been a knight, Father Diego Velasquez. Father Diego could take care of himself, and the two had arrived safely in Toledo. When they got there, they heard about the situation at Calatrava. They also heard that the king was desperate to find a noble willing to take on the hopeless task of defending the fortress. Of course, everyone knew that the Templars were masters of strategy. If they said that the fortress would fall, then it would fall. No noble wanted the job. That night, Father Diego had a strange dream. He woke up still a little stunned and shouted loud enough to wake up Abbot Raymond. He was shouting that they were going to war. Abbot Raymond gently explained to Diego that this was not the way of monks. A monk was a warrior, yes, but in a spiritual sense. But in the silence of the night, Raymond considered what Diego had said. And to his own surprise, he began to feel a calling to go to war as well. By then, the king was so desperate that he was willing to give the fortress of Calatrava to anyone. Raymond discussed the problem with Diego, and Diego laid out a plan for how he would defend it. And so, Abbot Raymond went to the king and made a shocking suggestion. He would go to Calatrava and defend the fortress with his monks. He was only asking for one thing, an image of Our Lady that was said to be miraculous. The stunned king didn't have a better option, so he agreed. Most of the nobles treated Abbot Raymond's decision as a joke. The exception was the archbishop, who declared that anyone who fought for Calatrava was fighting for God. And as word got around that a few monks 
had the courage to go and stand between Spain and the Almohad army, people began to travel to Calatrava to take up arms. First only a few, then a few hundred. Raymond was suddenly in charge of a fortress and an army. By the time the Almohads looked north, Calatrava was fully fortified and had a massive force of 20,000 men. The fortress was now so well guarded that the Almohad attack was called off. I have to imagine that Abbot Raymond wondered what to do next. He had felt called to war. Calatrava was safe for now. Should he stop there? Return to his monastery? A different man might have done either of those things, but Raymond was not one to turn down a challenge. To Raymond, the enthusiastic mob that had arrived to defend Calatrava had the potential to become something much greater. What they needed was a kind of general, what in other cases would be called a grand master. And so, Raymond began to forge the monks and soldiers he had into the first order of warrior friars in Spain, the Knights of Calatrava. As was true of the Templars and Hospitallers, the core of the Knights of Calatrava was made up of brother knights. These were men raised for war, trained from birth in martial arts. There were only ever a few hundred of them, but then a few hundred knights had been enough to hold the entirety of the Holy Land. The knights of Calatrava swore vows, like any friars, vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. The way they saw it, religious engaged in all sorts of work. Some monks copied documents, some farmed or made wine. The knights of Calatrava fought. They were soldiers for Christ, seeking holiness in the defense of of Christendom. Because they were not rooted in any single place, and because they might be called on to fight at any time, the Knights of Calatrava could not always say the daily offices. They were granted the permission to offset this obligation by saying a specific number of our fathers. And so, like the other military orders, you could often tell a brother knight from his habit of murmuring prayers as he worked. They wore white cloaks emblazoned with the red cross of Calatrava, but underneath was plain black armor. And unlike the other orders, the knights of Calatrava mortified their flesh by sleeping in their armor. They weren't aiming for a life of comfort, and they wanted to be ready whenever an attack might come. Around the core of the brother knights, Raymond set up the chaplains, members of the order who did not fight and who remained under direct Cistercian supervision. And then there would be the support structure, the sergeants and men-at-arms who were not knights but who fought alongside them. By the time Raymond was finished, he had a sophisticated, self-sufficient force. And then Raymond led them to war. The knights of Calatrava rode out to begin conquering the areas around them, creating a heavily defended buffer between the Christians and the Muslims. The new king, Alfonso VIII, was delighted to have their assistance. He was even happier when other orders arose to imitate what Raymond had done. 
Abbot Raymond died in 1163. Almost immediately, people began to report miracles at the tomb of the warrior priest. His spirit of determination continued to drive the Knights of Calatrava, who went from victory to victory as the 12th century progressed, until the crushing defeat at the hands of Al-Mansur in 1195. Al-Mansur all but wiped out the Knights of Calatrava. They lost their territory, and Al-Mansur recaptured Calatrava itself, depriving them of the fortress for which they were named. The Templars would have advised a cautious retreat to regroup and fight again. But that was not the way of St. Raymond. The Knights of Calatrava regrouped around a new fortress. Calatrava had been at the border between the Christians and the Muslims. The new fortress was far forward, deep in Muslim territory. If they were going to be destroyed once and for all, the Knights of Calatrava did not intend to go out with a whimper. But they were not destined to be destroyed. No one knew it yet, but Al-Mansur's victory in 1195 would be the last great Muslim breakthrough of the Reconquista. Over the next three centuries, Christians would take back Spain and Portugal step by step. In 1212, a Christian army that included the Knights of Calatrava again clashed with the Muslims, and this time the Christians were victorious. The Knights of Calatrava recaptured the castles they had lost, including Calatrava. But by now, Calatrava was no longer a dangerous border fortress. It was safe behind Christian lines. That wasn't where St. Raymond had taught them to go. And so, the knights built a new fortress, right on the front lines. They called it New Calatrava.